0: You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of of FlashOfSteel.com, and this is episode number 97. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is one of my regular panelists, Mr. Julian Murdoch.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, And to you, you had a good Christmas? So far, so good. So
1: far, so good. Good time with the family? No big fights over board games? No, 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 but, but lots of gaming, lots of gaming. It was a good gaming year. Lots of time to catch up. Indeed, and uh, you got a lot of snow. Uh, that's an understatement—like nine <laughs> billion feet of snow—and so, consequently, I spent most of my time off sitting in the house playing games. What's to be wrong with that? Excellent.
0: Um, with us today, we have a special guest uh, from Dreamspike Studios. We have the lead designer, uh, maybe the only designer of one of uh, my favorite small strategy games of the year. Something I've been—a game I've been pushing on people. Uh, to pretty good effect uh, so far this year, uh, published by Shrapnel Games, Bronze. With us is Alex K- K- Kutsanok.
2: Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, yes, you did. Yep, that works. But, Miraculous. Is there, way
0: to pronoun- is there a better way to pronounce it? How would you say
1: it if you were, say, Alex?
2: I just say K. Let's, you know, I tell people last name just K and that's fine. Alex. K. Alex.
1: Alex <laughs> K. It's like Cliffy B.
2: Well, it'll
0: be spelled out uh, on the blog. Uh, Alex, we're glad you could join us here tonight.
2: Thank
1: you. Uh, So, Julian, why don't you start? Uh, So, yeah. So let's start by saying what What bronze bronze is. is. So the way I would – I would love to hear how you want to describe bronze, but here's how I've been trying to sell bronze to my friends. Bronze is a strategy board game, which is a little too complex to ever actually realize as a board game because you'd spend all of your time looking things up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, sure. And and it's played on a a fairly simple board, which is something like I don't eight by six. Is that right? Eight, eight by eight. So it's played on a, a fairly simple eight by eight board. And every turn, all you do is place a unit, and that unit can claim territory. It can go beat up other units to claim their territory, uh, and they all have various special rule breaking powers. But basically, it's, it's, it's very Go-like in the sense that you're just dropping units on a board to claim territory. And when you get to the point where nobody can do anything else, the turn is over and somebody won. And that sounds ridiculously abstract and simple. But at, a co- at the core, that's how I think about bronze. Now, how do you describe bronze to people, Alex?
2: Um, okay. I think if I were to describe bronze to another gamer, I would say... You know, it's, it's kind of like Civilization, only it gets to the good part uh, very quickly. So it, it's a game that you can play very quickly. You know, it's got different races. It's got armies, you know, conversion by culture, by religion. Um, you know, it's got uh, you know, a, the economic component where you're looking at money. But it's just – it plays very quickly, so you can get a game done in about 10 minutes. Um, so it's something uh, – there's a game, a board game that's relatively famous – uh, that has this tile placing component, and the board game is called Carcassonne. So I would say it's Civilization meets Carcassonne.
1: Huh?
0: That's, that's not how
1: I would describe it at all. Yeah, but I that's okay.
0: I, see, Civ never occurred to me at all. Othello did. Uh, yeah. Othello, I think, is a great parallel because yes. it's a, it's about you know it's about grabbing surrounding territories. It's about uh, using your tile placement to change tiles around you um it's a it, yep. it sounds very complicated but in fact it's a very simple elegant game where you just place up you earn money buildings cost different amounts of money you place the building and each building has an effect and it is so simple and elegant that it was i i wrote a review for pc gamer and the first review came back to me and said you know you spent a lot of time here talking about Trying to explain how the game works, and not exactly what you think of it. it well, yeah, because it's hard to explain how this works, very simply. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned civilization, because um, when it was, because it does have all these races and factions. But it's re- I've been making the case, and we argued this with uh, Soren Johnson a few episodes ago, that Bronze could really be about anything. Um, but you chose Bronze Age races, and I want to get first into the theme before I get into the mechanics. Why did you go for, you know, the Babylonians and the Hittites and the Kassites and all of these nice, wonderful biblical names? Many,
1: many of whom I've never heard of before, and I consider myself a student of history. <laughs> I've, heard of, I've heard of all of them because I'm an A student of history.
0: Uh, so what, what about that period first talking to you with the theme then the mechanics or which came first?
2: Um, I think it was, uh, it was a case where the gameplay was maybe about a week before I, I decided on the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I certainly wanted to – with this game, I wanted to have a setting that's unlike anything that I've played you know, as, as a computer game. And I, I wanted to do something that was very different from the typical you know, fantasy or medieval – um, and I just thought to myself, you know, is there something that I know a little bit about that I, I would be interested myself in learning a lot more about? You know, is there something that I want to invest myself in, you know, read a bunch of history? And I just thought what period, you know, in, in, in human, <laughs> human civilization would be most interesting for me? And I just, you know, a long time ago I read a book uh, about Napoleon's invasion of Egypt and he actually traveled a little bit more. And that was my first taste of you know, the Middle East and, and, all, and Iraq and, and all these countries that, you know, their history just has not been explored in games. And I thought that would be a good direction. Um, so that's that's how I selected the setting. Uh, but, of course, as you admit, I mean, the, the gameplay could be matched up with maybe a couple of others. Um, so it was two different decisions, you know, how the game would work and, you know, where it would take place. So do, are, are you a board gamer? Yes, I am. I w- I would say I, I probably play more board games than I do computer games now, uh, this day and age. <laughs>
1: you, you you and Julian. So so I'm sort of curious then because because I spent some time talking to and I'm I'm just not even gonna I think it's Big Sandwich Games, the guys that did Horde for the PS3, which which is a great sort of ter- it's it's very real time, very much an arcade game, very territorial control based. Um, but when I talked to those guys, it has a board game feel, and I asked did this start as a board game prototype and they said absolutely we pro- we play tested all of the mechanics in pen and paper before we ever even started writing a line of code your game bronze feels actually much more like a board game you're placing pieces you can very very easily imagine a board and and the physical pieces although the record keeping would probably get annoying um <laughs> Did did you start this out as as with like literally with physical chits moving them around to figure out things like point balance and things like that?
2: Uh, you're very close. It it actually started off. The prototype uh, was in Excel. So so the first month of development was just Excel. You know those little grid in Excel, just an eight by eight grid in Excel and color coded things. Um, and in you know no code, no code, no macros, just pure Excel for keeping track of who has what square.
1: But how do you actually prototype that with other people if you're playing it in excel
2: um, it's it, it helps to have uh, friends and family who who enjoy games because it's not pretty at that point. Um, you know you, you, you just you have them sit down and you know you click and you drag you know it, it's very it's kind of cumbersome you know and it, it a game takes a whole lot longer to play out but that's absolutely important because all the major decisions about rules and you know what each building does and um, you know how big the grid is i mean all of those decisions were made before there was any code
1: but you so, didn't you didn't actually physically make a board of it though
2: uh no because it would have been you know it's, the, with the colors it's, it just takes it's very difficult to do all the flipping by hand
1: you know if you convert something it changes colors so that i did not right. do And it does have that Othello quality. Again, to explain the game a little bit, um, quite often, certainly after the first six or seven turns, you're in a position where you're placing a unit who has the effect of not only claiming the tile where you play it, but flipping over, like converting to your side of the field Uh, a a certain number of tiles around it, either maybe all the tiles or only those tiles that aren't protected or fields, but not armies or armies, but not fields, et cetera. And, and again, when I was saying the record keeping would be difficult to do in a board game, I I really mean that because part of the challenge of this game is that a a single kind of unit, let's say, um, you know, there's one kind of unit that flips over farms, and that unit costs a different amount for different races. So that you can imagine the record keeping there could get rather problematic if you're constantly changing off who you're, which race you're playing against or which civilization you're playing against, what their costs are, whether they get a bonus for this kind of building or they don't get a bonus for that kind of building. Um, it, it allows for a level of complexity that I think is actually a little difficult to manage in board games without them becoming sort of cumbersome table lookup games. That's what I want to talk about. I want to ask
0: you about is the whole idea of balancing the different factions, because there are limited numbers of buildings, and the buildings repeat across the different factions, and across the different nations, but they change in cost, if not effect. And some nations have fewer buildings. Uh, I think. For the the, 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 the the Gotti, I think have fewer building options, but they're cheaper.
2: Yes. So they, for or them, something. That's right. So they're they're very limited in terms of how much they can build. They're all about just you know going in there and taking over other people's stuff.
0: So yes, which that. represents you know the the nomadic uh, Gotti raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole way of balancing all of them. I'm always interested in the question of balancing factions, and here you are with a board game where you're not balancing a lot of different powers and making every nation really, really unique. But in many ways, it's going back to the old Age of Empires model, where it's a plus one here, plus two there. Certain things are closed off from other factions. Could you explain how the balancing happened? Um, And the process of balancing and developing the different nations?
2: Well, I, I think with each civilization, I wanted to ask myself, you know, how do I want this to play? How do I want this civilization to play? Uh, for example, the the Sumerians are all about uh, converting enemy farms, you know. So you do a lot of conversion with the Ziggurat, um, and then w- when and I and that's the first faction that was designed, the Sumerians. And then as soon as I was done with them, and I it's time to create you know another faction or another you know I thought well what would be something completely different, you know. And the Gudians, they 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 were the second to be created because they had no. You know, ability to convert in that way. You know, so so I thought, what if the armies were free? You know, what if you could just attack, attack, attack as much as possible, and it just it was a very different feel. And I thought, wow, like they're so different. And at that point, I thought, well, what would be something that's different again? You know, that would be a whole new um, sort of way of playing the game because I wanted each civilization to play differently. So you know, so it wouldn't get boring when you switch. Um, you know, I definitely wanted to avoid the whole plus one, plus two, you know, okay, these are a little bit, you know, but it's really the same thing. You know, I wanted each faction to be different, um, so I kind of came up with, you know, an idea. You know, one faction is really good at one thing, and, and they'll do that a lot. Um, you know, for example, you know, the ziggurat is so important. And by the time you're done playing as Sumerians, you almost feel like, oh, bronze. Bronze is all about using the ziggurat. It's all about converting these, these you know, these farms. And then I thought, well, I want the next faction, you know, your next experience. I want it to be where you don't even have the ziggurat. You know, right. you feel like, wow, like what am I gonna do now? Like I wanted that feeling. Um, but in terms of balancing it, you know, to be honest, it was it was a lot of you know just a lot of playtesting. I mean, it took. Uh, I mean, I, I want to say it took about three four months where you know we were just playing the game and balancing out the factions. Um, you know, but we weren't thinking about the graphics or the music, we were just thinking, uh-oh, you know, what, what if this happens? What if this happens? You know, we want each faction to be new and different and viable. Um, you know, and we didn't want all the factions to be equal um, because you know we wanted to sort of stick with the whole. You know, historically, some were better than others, but we wanted them to play and to feel differently. And and, and certainly, you know, we, we would go through a situation where we'd be like. Wait a minute! This faction is exactly like one that we've designed earlier, and so we would have to throw one away and and just come up with a new idea from scratch. And for example, the Babylonians are they're a diplomatic faction, and 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 that came out because we were just like we want to do something really new and something different. And and you know, oh, diplomacy. Okay, let's do something. Are, the,
1: are, are those are those the fuckers that get the free embassies that constantly keep you from attacking? Some, yeah. So, so see, that was. God, I hate those guys. That was the idea, you know. So, so each faction
2: does something really different with it and, uh, you know, game balancing was tough, you know, to have so many factions that do so many different things, you know, a lot of it, a lot of time had to be put in and just making sure that, you know, the game doesn't get out of hand and, you know, it, it still plays, um, you know, but, you know, I think it was worth it because it's just every faction is so unique. So for me, that's a big thing.
0: You mentioned following the historical uh, record, you know, some nations more powerful than others. And the game, for people who are listening, I haven't played it, it's set up as a series of historical campaigns. You start with one nation and then build up to another one. And there are set maps you have to conquer within a certain time frame in order to advance to the next historical campaign. And I was talking to Bruce about it when he was in the beta phase. And he said it's, at that point, it's almost... A puzzle game.
1: I was just going to say, instead of a strategy it, game, it, it definitely they, feels like they, you have to solve each map.
0: But then you get to the survival mode, and it's more strategic than puzzle-ish because the maps are random. Um, so the designing the historical campaigns, which are sometimes some of those maps are brutal, dude. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I've definitely I've definitely played some six or seven times before I finally got it,
0: found the trick. Um, and the AI, it's. A lot of it is about the AI making good opening moves and training the AI to, you know, make the good first move. So, because the, the AI is actually pretty good, uh, because it's a simple game and just simple math going on. Uh, could you tell me about programming uh, the computer to play the game?
2: Um, how that was done is initially, um, you know, we came up, you know, I, I mean, I, I, that was kind of the, I would say, the second thing that got done. The first was the gameplay, and then the AI came next before we did you know, graphics or anything like that. Um, and the way the AI was made, uh, initially, artificial intelligence players were randomly generated with different ideas about you know, how they would play the game. You know, so, the, so, so we came up with about 100 different uh, players, and then we would play these randomly generated players against each other, and you know, it was an evolutionary mechanism where the ones that would be successful, you know, we would copy, we would look at you know, what is it that they're doing right, and we would allow them to sort of, uh, you know, to use a word, you know, we would allow them to breed with other uh, players that also play the game well. And so we did this for several generations, and eventually we came up with several good um, AI players. Uh, so from an artificial standpoint, this is called an evolutionary mechanism.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, my own background is I used to do um, research in artificial intelligence, so so I I, I know a little bit about. Uh, um, some of those ideas and and that's how we came up with the players uh, you know we, we don't have one ai we actually have uh, a different ai for each faction uh, okay. to take advantage of its uh you know sort of the bonuses um, of, of that what that faction does well uh, but how it came about is we just we you know we came up with some random notions you know how do you play this game we just ge- randomly generated agents and then we played them against each other and then the ones that uh played well, they were allowed to pass on their genes, so to speak. Um, and that's how we eventually arrived at 12 pretty good players.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll say, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm notoriously not a partic- particularly good player, so it should come as no surprise that uh, that I, I do get my ass handed to me at the normal difficulty level. I am I think I'm in the third or fourth uh, age that you play through here. Um, and and I, I'm sort of at the point where a lot of times I'll see a map, I'll look at my opponent and what buildings they're going to get, um, and the and the terrain does matter, right? There are impassable area, areas, there are different different sort of resource nodes, if you will, that you can tap that give certain civilizations certain kinds of bonuses. You know, there's quite a lot of complexity in how these so things sometimes interact. Sometimes just
0: place it, placing a bridge is <laughs> the most important thing you can do. Absolutely. If you, get, if you can get a bridge and lock it down... You can own half the map and nobody can cross it. You put it in the right. right place.
1: So, 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 terrain really matters in this game more than you might expect. Uh, you know, terrain quite often is something that's overlooked in fairly simple games, uh, and and i I feel both confident and delighted in calling this a fairly simple game because I was able to you know I was able to teach my 11 year old daughter how to play this game in about 15 minutes. She got yeah, but you know,
0: but, but your daughter's a genius.
1: Yeah, she's smarter than I am. We get that. But the basic rules of it are quite simple to teach somebody. And because, again, you don't have to do the record-keeping and keep track of these things, um, you know, every turn, you're presented with exactly what your options are. Um, and so it's really just a matter of understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are on a particular map versus an opponent civilization on a particular map. Um, and, and so it does have that, that puzzle-solving quality where once you've figured out how to play a certain matchup with a certain map – You've pretty much got it nailed. There doesn't seem to be a lot of randomness in the AI. I mean, have you found that in developing the AI that there is a certain level of predictability to it? Because it feels like that sort of in, I would say, where I am, a sort of the mid-game of the single-player experience.
2: Well, the the campaigns were designed to be played through just once, you know, and right. it is it is very much like a puzzle in that right. you know once you beat a map, um, you know that there's really you know you don't really want to replay it, you know, and right? It, sure. It's, you know, to be honest, you know, the AI initially we like that's something we thought about. You know, do we want to make the artificial intelligence do something different every time or no? Um, and it was just designed, you know, we will keep the AI, you know, doing the same thing on each map because that allows you to sort of replay it and you know, sort of we you know, we don't want you to be the map because you did something that wasn't very good, and the AI just you know randomly decided to
1: lose to you. Right, so it's a little bit like <laughs> practicing a chess opening in that sense.
2: You know, we wanted you to win because you made that genius maneuver. You know that you you decided. You know what? I'm gonna put this bridge here, and suddenly you've got the advantage, and it's it's you who sort of made that big play. Um, and you know, yes, you know what that does is I mean, it says you can't. You know, it's not fun to play the same campaign over and over, and which is why we held the. The survival and the gauntlet modes uh, – you know, in it, uh, sorry, it's called survival in this one. In it, and you know, the randomness comes there. You know, where in terms of replay value, the campaigns are really meant to sort of teach you how to play each faction, um, you know. And then, you know, once you master every faction, of course, then you want more, and, and that's where, um, you know, of course, the, the the gauntlet mode and the tournaments come in to take you further.
1: Right. Now, Troy, have you had much opportunity to play multiplayer on this? Because I be- is it true that multiplayer is only hot seat or is there something more yes. that I missed?
0: Uh, only hot seat. And that's where I want to go. Why isn't there online multiplayer for this <laughs> game? Because I would be playing this thing nonstop and I'm sure I would have sold like a million more copies to people uh, <laughs> if there had been online multiplayer. Yeah, well, the choice first to go to hot seat. So clearly so it can be done uh with two people but it's hot seat which i haven't seen in a game for a long time and that's great i love seeing hot seat because you know back in college every multiplayer game was hot seat because no one had the internet um so could you could you uh justify your choice to me
2: well uh you know in in this case we just had some you know some practical concerns in terms of experience programming multiplayer you know that's something that for us right. is, is a problem, and you know we just decided to sort of you know close the game, make it you know publish it, get it done, uh, right. and then see how much interest we have, and then you know if if, if you know there's significant is, amount of is interest. There, is there can, is there any interest? Uh, uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so far we've you know we've had pretty good reception. You know we've had you know lots of good uh, you know good good news uh, so to speak. Um, so we would be definitely uh, you know, right now we're all on vacation. So uh, but you know, we would definitely think seriously about adding multiplayer uh, because there's a lot of demand for
1: it. Yeah, I mean the other the other thing that seems so obvious to me, which you know, I sound a little bit like a broken record. If ever a game has felt like something that should be on my iPhone or my iPad, This game seems like it would lend itself naturally to that, right? It doesn't require. This is an
0: obvious iPad game.
1: Right. I mean, it it just it 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 actually feels like you're playing an iPad game even when you're playing on my laptop, (laughs) um, which which is kind of goofy, um, because it does have that sort of simplicity to it. It doesn't require like ridiculous high resolution or anything like that. I mean, any any hope that that we can see ports of this game in the future?
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> That's definitely something we we you know we have a lot of interest in is, is porting it to different platforms such as the iPad and um, you know and doing doing all kinds of uh, you know ports and, and you know transferring it to other mediums so that and multiplayer are certainly things we we're, we're, we're very much considering doing.
0: So could you talk a bit about the whole pitch process because you had to get this. Uh, to a publisher, you had to get this into um,
1: into Shrapnel. Right?
0: Into Shrapnel. I mean, they had to they had to buy onto this, and this is not you know. And I mean, Shrapnel does does good work. They publish a lot of pretty simple games, uh, but this is kind of out there. It's a board game, and you know, uh, Tim Brooks does a good job. He's an innovative thinker. He's certainly out there. But you had to sell a bo- you had to sell a computer board game. Uh, to a, a, what is it, in effect a, a war game publisher.
1: to guys sure. who are making War Plan Pacific and Falkland Wars and yeah,
0: and they, they do really hardcore sims and you know, War Plan Pacific you can see as a board game uh, in some ways, but it's 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 a war game and they have you know the airborne division thing coming up and so but so for first w- w- why shrapnel did you go to them or did they come to you, and how do you how do you as an independent developer make that pitch?
2: Well, uh, let me answer the question. Why Shrapnel? Uh, they are, you know, they you know, I, 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 feel like they're a very good strategy game publisher, and uh, absolutely. So for me, it was that was that was why, you know, I, yeah. I, for me, this is a strategy game. There's a lot of thinking that's that's going to take place when one plays Bronze. Um, and I like that a lot of their games are historical, and, and so I thought, well, you know, they might be interested in this because this, this is a historical era that, you know, there's not a lot of games that to take place in Mesopotamia. So that's why I, for, I thought they, you know, they might be interested. Uh, but when I, when I approached them, I basically said I had a demo that was ready to, to go with the music, with graphics, and, you know, I didn't do a lot of talking. I just said, just please play this game. And, you know, it's, you know, give this a go and, you know, and, and make your decision based on actually playing it. Right. And, and that was it. I didn't do a lot of talking. And um, so, so that, was, that was the pitch. Just play the game, please.
0: And, of course, they, they bought on to it. And I know that uh, they're very big promoters of this game.
2: Yes. I mean they, they you know they played it and I think like the next day they, they you know replied back saying yes, this is we're gonna go go through. This is this is a game that we want to publish. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I don't know, you know, how thoroughly they, they tested it, but at that point, whatever they saw, they felt like they wanted to um, definitely go with this game because of, you know, that that experience that they had that version, that early sort of demo that they played. You know I think they believed in you know this could be a yes, it's very different, but it's definitely a strategic um, and unique experience. So like you know that's so they were you know it seemed to me like they they really just from that playthrough that was enough to convince them.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I, I wanted to go back to the to the issue on multiplayer. I mean, you, you did sort of mention that when you were play testing this, you were doing a lot of, Back and forth, effectively in a hot seat mode, right? Either passing a spreadsheet back and forth or sitting there at the table. I mean, there's no hidden information here, right? So there's no no reason whatsoever that you're you, you need to separate the players, which which makes it great for any kind of hot seat or couch co-op kind of experience. Um, did your balance focus entirely on that kind of multiplayer experience? Because, you know, my my experience with Games that are simple but have complex AIs, for instance, chess games, Go, things like that, is that AI players tend to simply play differently than real people. Not necessarily better or worse, right? Most of us are never going to beat a really good chess AI consistently, right? I mean that's that's very rare that somebody can do that at this day and age. Um, but But real people simply play differently. Was most of your balance work done in that sort of multiplayer environment? Because that actually bodes very well for for making this a real sort of powerhouse, uh, sort of you know board game slash computer crossover multiplayer game. Well,
2: I, I think we definitely I, I would say we did both uh, because we were very concerned with the single player game. Like we wanted uh, we wanted that to be fun. You know, I mean bronze. You know, probably. You know, you know, the 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 effort was to make it first and foremost a very fun single player game, you know, because I, I play a lot of strategy games. And I can tell you, you know, it, the AI in most strategy games, you know, it's just there's nothing to it. You know, you just you just roll right over it. You do the same thing over and over and AI loses. And I didn't want that to happen here. You know, I wanted you to come up with a good strategy and, and, and see a little bit of success. And then you try that same thing again. And then, boom, the AI will be like, no, you don't. You know, and and that's why you know that so that was the initial focus, and then once we had, um, you know, sort of that that single player. Once the single player was fun, then we of course we we did the hot seat testing and made sure it was it worked in multiplayer as well. Um, But I would say we did, you know, I would say it was kind of both. We wanted to make sure, you know, both the single player was good, but then you know when you play against you know in other ways, you know, you know it was also being fun.
0: So, uh, this is a game that's really, it's a a territorial control game, but it's about conversion of characters, you said a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, You said that the game idea came a week before the theme. Um, Why territory conversion? I mean, what is, that is the central mechanic, is because it's eight by eight, so there's an even number of squares, and people take turns. So, you cannot win the game unless you seize territory. Yes. And you take it from other people. Some, st- some places you can't build on, yes, there are mountains and there's water you can't build on. But by and large, it's about taking their guy's land. So it's really a conversion, a land conversion game. Mm-hmm. What about that mechanic is attractive to you as a board game designer and as a game designer?
2: Um, I, I just, I think, uh, you know, I, when we first, uh, when, when I first thought of this idea, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be fun. Uh, but I, I knew that I wanted to do something different. I mean, I think the idea of, you know, you build up a bunch of units and you order them to go somewhere, that's been done so many times before. And my desire was just, well, okay, is there a different way to play a strategy game besides, you know, let's generate a bunch of units and move them around. Um, And this whole idea of just placing things. You know, every move is you just place something and then territory, there's still territory, changes hands, it gets conquered. Um, you know, and it was just, you know, it was almost, um, I, don't, I mean, I'm not sure, I'm thinking how, you know, why this exactly, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I think I spent about two months coming up with different ideas before Bronze, and this was the one that stuck. Um, you know, there were a lot of games that Bronze could have been, but this is the one that, that you know, as soon as, uh, you know, I, I played it, and then I showed it to some other people, and, you know, this is the one that it actually... It wasn't just different, but it was also, it was fun to play. And so we thought, okay, and then this is the one that, you know, this is the one we're going to spend, you know, a year, a year. Uh, uh, we thought it would be a year. It ended up being a year and a half. Um, but it was, I guess, I don't know. This was the one that it just, uh, it, was, it was both different, but also fun. And that's why we, you know, that's why we have it.
0: Do you want to talk about
2: any of the failed prototypes?
1: Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> what did, what didn't work?
2: <laughs> uh, um, and one idea involved um, sort of a, and you know it was it was a game where it was, uh, you know it's it would, at first people would thought would think it was a role playing game, but it was a, a game where you know if you die it's it's over, you know there's no saving at all, um, so it, so it, it actually plays like a strategy game because you know every move you make is so important, you know it would be like a turn based game where you travel around the world and. Uh, you know, you conquer territory, but if you lose one time, you know, it's all over. You know, it's, it's game over, and uh, that game just was not so much fun, because... Uh, so,
0: so, 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 a strategy roguelike? Uh, where you die, that's it?
2: Something, yeah, well, it was it was something like that. It was a cross between rogue and, and, and maybe uh, conquering territory. So that was one thing, it, it just, you know, it was very ambitious, but when we played it, you know, and this was one that actually was programmed, there was code invested in this, but it just it wasn't fun when we tra- you know, when we had other people try the game you know hey did you know, did you like this and people would say no no make <laughs> me play this again um so so that's that's the process you know before before you you know you create the music and the graphics you have to make sure it's it's actually not just unique which is what we want but also fun you know enjoyable um, so there were lots and lots of bad bad things that came out of that summer. And bronze was just the one that was very kind of very fun and entertaining. In addition to being unique. So I don't get
0: too personal here, but what else do you do? Most independent designers. This is your first,
2: uh, in, your first game. It's actually not. I mean, I personally, um, I've been uh, making games since since high school. Uh, the first game that I created was called The Quest. Um, it was. You know it was created in uh, in 2000 and it was not a game that I sold I mean I was in high school and I just uploaded on the internet um, and I and it, there used to be a website that was very popular at that point it was called download.com and uh, basically for whatever reason there was it gave me a lot of traffic this website and I think like a hundred thousand people downloaded that game. Um, so that really sort of made me think, wow, like I could make games uh, for a living. Um, and I was in high school and I didn't sell it. So I didn't make any money. A hundred thousand people you know, played that game. <laughs> uh, so um, and then actually the first game that Dream Spike Studios wrote uh, was, called, um, it was called Space War Commander. Um, it was you know, not the most original name. Uh, but that was our first published. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we self-published it rather. But it was it was our right. first game that was for sale. You know, it's still for sale. Uh, Space War Commander. Um, and
0: it, it's, oh, there it is. I I see it on your website. Don't know why I didn't notice that.
2: <laughs> and, and and that game. Um, you know, it was it was our first attempt at making something that was very different. And of course, it's 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 a very. You know, we were very proud of the concept. Um, I think the graphics for Space War Commander, the, the the production value is is not nearly as high as Bronze. Um, you know, to give you an idea, I mean, on Space War Commander we had uh, one artist, and then on Bronze I think we had something like six or seven different artists contribute. Um, so it was it was, a, it was a you know production values were a little bit lower in Space War Commander, but that really sort of shaped uh, the process. You know, how do you go from just an idea in a notebook to finished game, you know, that mm-hmm. people are going to play. Um, so, so those are the three big titles that I've been involved in, you know, during my life. And um, so,
1: <laughs> so going forward from here, do you, do you see building out on bronze or are you looking to move on to other projects? Cause I mean, we've, we've already highlighted, you know, multiplayer would be great. Other platforms would be great. It's obviously, very easy to imagine in a game like this, adding civilizations, adding scenarios, adding different kinds of buildings, um, right? You can see the, the opportunity to expand this as a platform. Yeah, not right? different kinds. There are already enough buildings, dude. Well, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, it's easy if, to if, see if, how if, you expand
0: this If this was published by
1: 2K, they will be selling new buildings right now. Right, exactly. You'd be able to buy the Super Palace for $2. Um do you do you see developing this directly, or taking things you've learned from here and moving on to an, another project we can enjoy?
2: Um, I, I think definitely there'll, there'll be another project down the line. I mean, we, we've got a lot of ideas, and, and um, so I, I would, you know, I think there will be a different game. You know, I'm almost sure that we're going to make another game, um, but we're also interested in sort of expanding bronze a little bit more. Um, you know, and, and it's and I don't know, maybe both. I think you know, I, I would be tempted certainly to pursue both, um, both at the same time because bronze is something we, we really enjoyed working on. But there's also this feeling of, okay, you know, but can we do something that's you know, unique, you know, something very different and also fun again? Can we repeat you know, this just come up with something completely new again? Um, but I, I think I, I would be interested in pursuing both directions. You know why not? Yeah,
1: don't 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 do that before I get my iPad version, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I, I have plane
1: s- plates to take next year. I want an yes. iPad version.
0: <laughs> have you you said uh, expanding bronze in new directions? Have you getting ready to talk about how you want to do that, or is that just in the?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think you know beyond porting it, um, there's there's you know there's so many different things we could add. You know you know besides just new civilizations. Uh, maybe a different era, you know. You know something. The Bronze Age is not the end. You know something else comes happening. You know maybe a new iron. Uh, yeah. You know things Ooh, like Ooh, smelters. And it's uh, and it's interesting because you know one of the civilizations in bronze, the Hittites, that they, uh, you know, they are the ones who kind of first they launched the, the Iron Age. So it would be you know yep. an interesting transition. Uh, certainly, a new age and um, new possibilities. Maybe bigger maps. Uh, although I don't know how that would we'd have to play test that. Um, so so there's a lot, a lot of different ideas. A lot, you know, as we worked on the game, we just we came up with a list of you know if there was another bronze, you know, what would be in it? And that that list is is like three pages long, you know.
1: Elves, elves, orcs, magic. Well, no, no, <laughs> oh, God, don't you start. God, no, please, don't pollute this game with that no magic you know it would have to be something that's... But that's but, but it's worth pointing out that that's right. part of what's so nice about this game is that there's a certain purity to it I mean I keep coming back to to classic games that are nearly abstract like chess right because there is this this completely iconic classicism to the choices that you're making in this game that don't involve... I mean, picking on other shrapnel games, don't involve learning the obscure magic systems of some race in Dominion's 3, right? I mean, it it does really come down to here's a set of 10, 12 units. They have some minor variations, but you have to learn how to use these guys as best you can. Um, What were some of your influences in in developing this game? Because clearly it's not some of the more fantastic stuff.
2: Um, I mean, I I think... There's a game that was released a long time ago. I think in the early '90s, and um, I think it was called Dominate. And it was one of those games that no one's ever heard of. But I happen, nope. <laughs> <to, laughs> I, I happened to play uh, this game, and it was uh, you know I got it on some CD, one of those uh, you know 200 games on one CD. And Dominate it was it was a game that influenced me, and it had uh, some of the gameplay that you see in Bronze uh, with a conversion mechanic. Um, you know, and, and I just, so that was, that was a pretty big influence. I mean, I think board games, board games like Carcassonne where, where each move is you just play something, you know, and then you do nothing but play something and people take turns placing something. And the first you think, is this going to be strategic? Is this going to be deep? I mean, all I do is just place one thing. And, but for me, I just, I love that idea where I get to do something. I get to do one move. But you know, there's so much depth and strategy around that one move. Um, so Carcassonne was a big one. You know, I think you know, like, like everyone, I, I played Civilization and, and all those games, and, and it's just as I grew older, I feel like I have less time. You know, I, I it's so hard to sit down and play for hours and hours to get from start to finish. You know, of Sid Meier's Civilization, it just it takes a long time. And I thought to myself, I need to make a game that I have time to play. You know, and, and that's why bronze just moves so quickly because I myself think, you know, if I can get this done in 20 minutes and 15 minutes, you know, that's great because, you know, I've got other things I need to do besides, you know, play games. And so, um, you know, something that that's very short. I mean, that that's why that decision was made. And um, I mean, and that's kind of I mean, those were the, the three that I that kind of, we, you know, I, I thought about when, when coming up with these ideas. Um
0: Okay, so here's a question that's going to annoy people and get people upset, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> this is such a simple, simple game, and knowing the internet as well as I do, mm-hmm. so many people who play the game want to make it more complicated. What is the most ridiculous idea that a player of the game has suggested
1: for how to change or improve bronze? <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, well...
1: Not counting the ones we may have come up with tonight. Well, yes. <laughs>
2: I mean... Okay, so I mean, some, some people feel like if you make the map huge, um, like like you know, hundred by hundred, you know, it, it, you know, instead of eight by eight, you know, it would somehow make the game like more, you know, deeper and more complicated. But um, you know, if you just, if you just imagine starting on a hundred by hundred, I and mean, it'll it'll be how long will it be until you meet another race? You know, you know. Um, so so that, that was one thing that we kind of had to... be like. I
0: mean, oh. the, I mean, the, the great thing with the map size is that is, not sure 8x8 is perfect or what the perfect number would be, but a map that you can... First, you can see it all on your screen immediately. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Bronze, what I tried to communicate uh, in my review, which will probably be out in the next issue of PC Gamer, uh, it, it is a rave, by the way, um, is that you can you can immediately see the effect of your move and how it has changed the game, or when the AI does that to you, and you can just see the entire map change its composure and throw you on your heels or throw the AI on its heels because the map is, so, is a big enough size, 64 tiles, where there are options, but just the right size where you can notice the, tur- you could, the, the, the turning point. Mm-hmm. It's a game where the turning points become obvious,
1: and I love that. And, and the other thing that I've found that, that I've really enjoyed is that the mid-game does not seem uh, set in stone, right? So it is often the case that the end game is writ, right? You, you get two-thirds of the way through the game, and you're like, there's either no way I can win this or I can see my clear path to victory, and it becomes mechanical to sort of click your way through to the end of that game. But the mid-game, there are so many meaty decisions to make, um, and and like, like chess, the opening, you can either do really well or you can screw up, but it's nothing but opportunity. There are, there, are, there are 10 ways to win any given matchup in any given map, and the opening determines which path you're going to take. But the mid-game is so meaty because there's so many opportunities to create those big flips where you're placing just the right place, the right piece at the right time to take over six or seven tiles around you right before your opponent was able to lock them down with a Citadel, right? Those kinds of moves. They feel very meaty and they feel very aha. And that's one of the most satisfying experiences in gaming. When you feel like you pulled it off right before your opponent prevented you.
2: I mean that, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's, that's something that we just we're kind of pretty proud about. You know, there's just, um, you know, there's that unpredictability throughout and, um, you know, and, and it's you know, it's 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 one of those things that we have to be very careful with. If we if we change something in, in a new version, you know, if we say, Okay, now this is true, you know, we want to make sure we retain that that dynamic feel of every move matters, you know, even if you know you're up, you're winning, but that's you can't just turtle in and sit down because you know, you never know.
1: Um I'm ready. I'm set to close. What do you think? Well, I we, we this has been this has been a, a fair amount of just you know love. pure love fest here. So I, I'm going to ask this question of Troy: Is there anything yeah. about bronze that you didn't particularly like, or that you feel like really missed the mark? Let's. Let, we have to at least okay. ask Alex a couple yes. tough questions. The, 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 Come on. It, well, yeah. Okay. There. I because mean,
0: it, it, this has
1: been ridiculous. There,
0: Let's Be clear. Yeah. It This is truly a great game. Uh, the, the one. There's one. My big. One of my big problems with the game. I didn't mention it in my review because because of the word count. Is, it'd be nice if when you are playing a map, mm-hmm. you knew, you could. If you forgot what the uh, other Civ's powers were what their costs were mm-hmm. if you could just you know mouse over their name or open a menu from within the map okay so you could tell what they could do
2: I you know it's 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 a fair concern you know the way to do that is if you just click on one of their tiles it'll tell you. Um, but it's it's not mouse over. You have to actually click on one of their
1: tiles, and it'll... it'll and and good. that doesn't tell you what they might be able to do. Yeah, so that's it's right, missing, it's it's yeah.
2: that,
0: that, 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 tells, that a... tells you what, what it does, oh. but it doesn't tell you, okay, what are their costs? Oh, my God, how and, much and are their armies? What, how what much haven't I have seen left?
1: from them that I'm going oh. to see next turn?
0: Yeah, this is the first time I've run into the Assyrians, and I forgot what the Assyrians can do. Okay. Um, clicking uh, on the tile of their... that They've, they've already kicked my ass with a Citadel, I've already seen what the Citadel can do. Thanks. I need to know what they're going to be able to do on their next turn or three turns from now.
1: I, okay. I guess my, my, no, we're not going to let you talk, Alex. Now we spent, <laughs> we spent an hour and a half telling you how awesome your game was. Now is when we just get to ramble about you. Um, I, I would just build on that to say that you've got some awesome flavor text, like between campaign missions, like in, in between each map, you've got sort of great buildup and all this flavor text. And I feel like, The actual use of various buildings and and the powers of various civilizations and their core strategies, I often find I learn only by playing against the AI who's using that against me, which is cool because it implies the AI has been very well written. So kudos to that. But I feel sometimes a little bit like it would be nice to be able to read something with as much depth and clarity about, hey – this is why the embassy is such a powerful uh, building, and how uh, you know that civilization used it to great effect in the Bronze Age might help me out a little bit and keep me from losing a couple games early before I figure out what the AI is doing to me. Okay. So there, that's my pile on. That's that's I'm reaching. That's what I got.
2: <laughs> I, I agree. No, no, you're you're right. It's you know it's certainly that would be that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, do Do you want to give a, a little shout out to your artists? Oh, well, I've I've got I've got quite a few um, that you know I, I would there's a whole a whole list uh, but so I, I don't want to sort of you know say right. one name because I know I'll forget someone.
0: <laughs> I, I do want to commend uh, the <laughs> art, especially uh, between screens and uh, in the the civilizations art. I wrote my little screed in the Babylonians in strategy games a few weeks ago, and I used the Babylonian screen to illustrate it uh, from bronze.
2: So. Wow. I was quite the, happy. I know. Then. I'll have to tell him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was quite well done. Um, Alex, thank you for joining us okay. on this, the last show of 2010. Um, next week, we will be, in fact, looking back on 2010 uh, in strategy games. I pu- today, on Wednesday, I uploaded to Flash of Steel my summary of the year's best and worst games, uh, things that I thought were worth mentioning. Um, So please check that out, and next week uh, I will have my panel to go through it. I do want to end the year by thanking all of our guests uh, by name, because we had so many of them. Um, uh, We had, uh, from Brainy Gamer, we had Michael Abbott, we had freelance tech writer Lloyd Case, we had good friend of Julian's and board game guru Rob Davio. We had Paradox's Chris King, we had from Irrational uh, Ken Levine, we had Tiffany Martin, freelance writer. From Hellmode, Raya Monique. From uh, Stardock, Derek Paxton and Brad Wardell. Ex of Firaxis, Mr. John Schaefer. From PC Gamer, Dan Stapleton. From uh, the guys who make the Take Command games, and I forget what the name of the company is. They made the Scourge of War Gettysburg, Norb Tibco and Jim Weaver. Norb. I just remember Norb. (laughs) I remember Norb. And our double... The people who appeared twice uh, this year: the uh, great deep bullpen we have uh, from Game Shark, Bill Abner and Todd Brackey. from Gamers with Jobs, the amazing Lara Krieger from Open Alpha TV, Jen Cutter from uh, EA, Soren Johnson, and uh, once again from Irrational, uh, Mr. Chris Ramo. I want to thank uh, and. Hey, from Dream Spike, Alex Kitsunok, who joined us here tonight for his first and hopefully not last appearance on the show. I want to thank all of our guests and uh, the panelists uh, this year, uh, Rob Zachney, Julian Murdoch, Bruce Garrick, and Tom Chick for the first half of the year on turning uh, Three Moves Ahead into my favorite part of the week. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in 2011 next week to wrap up the year. Say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone.
2: Bye.